0: Welcome to Old Treasures Made New, your devotional podcast on the go or at home, where we read the scriptures and reflect on them with those from the past. Today we'll be reading Matthew 17, verses 22-27, to and then through J.C. Ryle's expository thoughts on Matthew. Please take a moment to pause and to ask the Holy Spirit to bring understanding and to apply what we hear. Matthew, chapter 17, verses 22-27. to As they were gathering in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and he will be raised on the third day. And they were greatly distressed. When they came to Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma tax went up to Peter and said, Does your teacher not pay the tax? He said, Yes. And when he came into the house, Jesus spoke to him first, saying, What do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth take toll or tax? From their sons or from others? And when he said, From others, Jesus said to him, Then the sons are free. However, not to give offense to them, go to the sea and cast a hook and take the first fish that comes up. And when you open its mouth, you will find a shekel. Take that and give it to them for me and for yourself. This is the word of the Lord. We ought to endeavor to make practical use of this truth. We should strive to live as in the Lord's sight and, like Abraham, to walk before him. Genesis 17 verse 1. Let it be our daily aim to say nothing we would not like Christ to hear and do nothing we would not like Christ to see. Let us measure every difficult question as to right and wrong by one simple test. How would I behave if Jesus was standing by my side? Such a standard is not extravagant and absurd. It is a standard that interferes with no duty or relation of life. It interferes with nothing but sin. Happy is he that tries to realize his Lord's presence— and to do all and to say all as unto Christ. Let us observe in the first place our Lord's almighty power over creation. He makes a fish his paymaster. He makes a voiceless creature bring the tribute money to meet the collector's demand. Well, says Jerome, I know not which to admire most here, our Lord's foreknowledge or his greatness. We see here a literal fulfillment of the psalmist's words. You make him ruler over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yes, and the animals of the field and the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea and whatever passes through the paths of the sea. Psalm 8, verses 6 to 8. Here is one among many proofs of the majesty and greatness of our Lord Jesus Christ. He only who first created could at his will command the obedience of all his creatures. By him were all things created. By him all things are held together. Colossians to 16-18 The believer who goes forth to do Christ's work among the heathen may safely commit himself to his master's keeping. He serves one who has all power, even over the beasts of the earth. How wonderful the thought that such an almighty Lord should condescend to be crucified for our salvation. How comfortable the thought that when he comes again the second time, he will gloriously manifest his power over all created things to the whole world. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, and dust shall be the serpent's food. Isaiah 65 verse 25. In the last place, let us observe in these verses our Lord's willingness to make concessions rather than give offense. He might justly have claimed exemption from the payment of his tax money. He, who was son of God, might fairly have been excused from paying for the maintenance of his father's house. He who was greater than the temple might have shown good cause for declining to contribute to the support of the temple, But our Lord does not do so. He claims no exception. He desires Peter to pay the money demanded. At the same time, he declares his reasons. It was to be done so that we may not offend them. A miracle is worked, says Bishop Hall, rather than offend even a tax collector. Our Lord's example in this case deserves attention of all who profess and call themselves Christians. There is deep wisdom in these seven words, so that we may not offend them. They teach us plainly that there are matters in which Christ's people ought to forgo their own opinions and submit to requirements which they may not thoroughly approve, rather than give offense and hinder the gospel of Christ. God's rights undoubtedly we ought never to give up, but we may sometimes safely give up our own. It may sound very fine and seem very heroic to always be standing out tenaciously for our rights, but it may be well doubted, with such a passage as this, whether such tenacity is always wise and shows the mind of Christ. There are occasions when it shows more grace in a Christian to submit than to resist. Let us remember this passage as citizens. We may not like all the political measures of our rulers. We may disapprove of some of the taxes they impose. But the grand question after all is, will it do any good to the cause of religion to resist the powers that be? Are their measures really injuring our souls? If not, let us hold our peace so that we may not offend them. A Christian, says Bullinger ought never to disturb the public peace for things of mere temporary importance. Let us remember this passage as members of a church. We may not like every jot and tittle of the forms and ceremonies used in our communion. We may not think that those who rule us in spiritual matters are always wise. But after all, are the points on which we are dissatisfied really of vital importance? Is any great truth of the gospel at stake? If not, let us be quiet, so that we may not offend them. Let us remember this passage as members of society. There may be usages and customs in the circle where our lot is cast, which to us as Christians are tiresome, useless, and unprofitable. But are they matters of principle? Do they injure our souls? Will it do any good to the cause of religion if we refuse to comply with them? If not, let us patiently submit, lest we cause them to stumble. Well would it be for the church and the world if even these seven words of our Lord had been more studied, pondered, and used. Who can tell the danger that has been done to the cause of the gospel by morbid scrupulosity and conscientiousness, falsely so-called. May we all remember the example of the great apostle of the Gentiles. We suffer all things lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. First Corinthians 9, verse 12. That is the end of Ryle's expository thoughts for these verses. Let us carefully consider what we have heard today, and may the Lord be pleased to bring the growth for his Lori.